Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 48, The Art of Handheld Filming. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks guys for tuning into this week's podcast. Um, this week's podcast is something that I'm really excited to talk about. It's about the art of handheld filming. Um, this is going to be kind of an interesting podcast because I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the idea of handheld filming, when you should use it, um, kind of what what value it brings to video production, and then some techniques to help you be better at it. Um, before I get into it, though, I want to just briefly mention, um, for those of you who are new to the Filming with Josh podcast, I want to thank you for joining in today, and I want to mention the Filming with Josh uh, Facebook group. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. If you go to Facebook and type in Filming with Josh and ask to be a member, I will approve you as soon as I see your request. And essentially what this Facebook group is, is it is a place for you to post and ask questions or share videos that you would like feedback on um, or to just participate in conversation that's around video, photography, editing, storyboarding, business, all of that stuff. Uh, We talk about it all in the Filming with Josh group and it kind of goes hand in hand with this podcast. So if you have not yet Join the Filming with Josh Facebook group. Go to Facebook and again type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. So let's get into today's podcast. If someone was to ask me today, what is the one thing in your business that you are wanting to improve on the most? My answer would be my handheld filming technique. And This has been the case for the last year or so because I'm really wanting to improve on my handheld shooting techniques because a lot of people may not understand that there is an art behind handheld filming uh, and, and it adds a lot of value to your project depending on how good you are at it. And being good at it really takes some techniques and some experience Um, You don't just pick up a camera and go handheld and get great shots every time. It takes a little bit of skill and a little bit of experience to kind of get there. And so that's something I'm trying to really perfect right now. I'm really working on because I want to continue to incorporate handheld filming into my video projects. So let me answer the question that some of you may have, which is why handheld filming? Why am I even doing a podcast about this? What's the big deal? Well, when you watch when you watch a video project, whether it's a movie or a television show or a Netflix series, maybe it's a commercial or a music video or um, even a documentary project, you will see a lot of handheld shots. What is handheld? Handheld is where you are either holding a camera uh, by your hands um, and are like tucking it into your body under your arm, maybe uh, it could. It could include uh, filming from the shoulder. That is a form of handheld filming. And it could also include even using something like an easy rig. Handheld shooting is essentially anything that is not 
tripod-based or gimbal-based or slider or dolly or anything of that nature. It's where you're basically taking a camera and either throwing it on your shoulder or putting it on an easy rig or just tucking it under your arm and you're just going out and you are literally filming shots handheld through your movements and your body movements. And when you watch commercials and TV shows and doc projects and Netflix series and things like that, you will see a ton of handheld filming all the time. It could even just be as simple as two people having a conversation and the cameras are switching back and forth towards each person, maybe like a medium or tight shot of each person, but you'll notice that the shot's not completely still. You'll see some little bit of movements, little bobs, little sways in the shot. It's not static, but it's also not like sliding or dolling or anything. It's just subtle movement, and that movement is handheld filming. And what that does to a project, whether, again, it's a movie or a doc project or even a, 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 you know, a promotional video for a mom-and-pop company, what it does is is it kind of adds a sense of realism to your work. It adds a a sense of authenticity and makes your shot come across a little more raw and organic. And the point of that is when, when we look at video today, so many people get wrapped up in gimbals and sliders and drones and all this stuff and and people get really into making sure they have a lot of movement and that their movement is very smooth and is on some sort of motion control device and they want everything to be completely stable i want stable gimbal shots if i'm walking behind someone i don't want the camera bouncing up and down i want it to be completely static and stable and just kind of almost floating behind them and and people kind of they get obsessed with that, that stability and, and planned movements. And, and what happens is, is they start to lose some of the rawness and realness that is brought about by handheld shooting. And it's ironic because when you look at really big budget projects where they could do everything off of a crane or a dolly or, or some sort of a gimbal, you will still see tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of handheld shots. I mean, sit down tonight after this podcast and watch a movie and just start making a mental note of all the handheld shots you see. You'll see them everywhere constantly. And these are these are on programs or movies where they have huge budgets and they don't have to go handheld, but why do they go handheld? They go handheld because it's a look and style and an art in and of itself. When you look at a movie like Friday Night Lights, now Friday Night Lights was over-exaggerated. They, they went really far with their handheld movements, probably almost a little too far um, if you ask some people. But they did that for a reason. It's not that Friday Night Lights didn't have the budget to not shoot handheld. It's that they chose to because they knew that if they had this handheld, exaggerated handheld look, it would add a realness to the movie, and it did. Anybody who watches Friday Night Lights was sucked into the story and sucked into the movie, and it felt raw. And it, and it really worked well because of, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, but I don't know who hasn't seen the movie by this point. I mean, it's been out for like 15 years, but spoiler alert, you know, they lose the final game at the state championship, and they were like a yard away or half a yard away from the goal line as time expired. And when you take that, the realness of how that movie ended, it didn't have a happy ending. It ended with heartbreak. 
And when you combine that heartbreak ending with all the realness of the handheld shooting and the storyline that accompanied it all the way through, it made the whole entire project feel very real. And that that is the entire purpose of handheld shooting. They, they did that in that project just so that it would make it feel more raw. And that is, a, that is the beauty of handheld shooting right there. Now, that, again, I say was exaggerated. And what I, why, why I say that is I think some of their movements might be a little much for some people. I remember my mom, when she watched that movie, she told me that she felt almost a little sick because it was, it was almost too exaggerated. But they did it for a point. They did it for a creative and artistic purpose. But any other movie or project you watch today, they may not have uh, handheld shots that are as exaggerated as that. But you still see it constantly because if you're take, let's go back to that conversation. You know, two people are talking back and forth to each other. If you take it off of the sticks, off of the tripod, and you go to the shoulder or an easy rig or handheld tucked under your arm, and you add some bobs and sways, some natural movement to the shot, just if it's just a conversation that two people are having on screen, that conversation just feels more real. Because if the camera's on a tripod, it might feel really static. And sometimes you want it to feel static. Sometimes that's the point of the shot. Maybe you want it to feel cold. Maybe you want it to feel um, static. But, but a lot of times, you just want it to look real and natural. And just simply getting off the sticks or getting off of a gimbal and, or, or off of a dolly and going handheld is all you need to do to give a natural realism to a shot, to bring a shot to life. And unfortunately, today... When you look at a lot of a lot of us who are in that kind of mid-tier video world, and I, I say mid-tier because most of us are not producing a Game of Thrones series. Most of us are not working on a Netflix series for, you know, um, Stranger Things, for instance. So for us, we're working more in in mid-tier type of work. We're doing commercial work. We're doing projects for um, various different companies and businesses and corporations. We're doing projects for um, for some for some of you who, who listen to this podcast who know me from the outdoor world. You know, you might be doing projects in the outdoor space, hunting, fishing, that kind of thing. Maybe you're into wedding filming. Maybe you're into, um, you know, music videos for up-and-coming artists. The point is, is most of us are at in that world and that's where we play. And in this world, in this mid-tier space, a lot of us have gotten consumed with getting away from anything that's shaky and anything that has movement and going to a gimbal all the time or using something of that sort to take shake and movement out of a shot. And unfortunately, what that's ended up doing is it has, it has kind of taken some of the life out of our work. And some of the best music videos, for instance, that I see, the cameras moving and uh, and going with the flow of the music and going with the flow of the musician or the artist or the characters that are in the music video, and it, it just looks so real and raw and good. And we need to get back to some of that. And the best shooters out there and the, and the bigger production companies that really understand how movement brings shots to life, they know that, they get that. And so they incorporate handheld shooting in a lot of their work, even though they don't have to. And so handheld shooting is, a, is, is an art. It is a form of shooting that helps creatively bring a project to life. So let's talk a little bit about what is, what is good handheld shooting and what is bad handheld shooting. Well, I'll start with bad. Bad handheld shooting is uh, shake that looks like 
tremors, like you got tremors or something. You know what I'm talking about, where you're holding the camera and it's just shaking uncontrollably. You used to see this on Canon 5D Mark IIs and Canon 5D Mark IIIs. Um, you'd see that sometimes. I remember I, I watched The Rivers Divide by Donnie Vincent. It's a really great project. But one thing that kind of annoyed me about that project, and again, it is a really great project. I'm not trying to act like it's not a great project. Um, I loved it. However, one thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit is when they were getting, the, especially the very first time that Donnie shoots this deer, this buck he was after, the first time he shot this deer, he, it was not a lethal shot, and it took him another season or two to, to finally kill this deer. Um, and that was all part of the story. But about halfway through that, that short film, when he shot the deer that he had been after, the reaction of his shot was shot handheld. And I remember reading it was shot, I think it was shot off of a 5D Mark III. And it had that classic 5D look of handheld shooting, where he was shooting it not on like a 24 to 70, or excuse me, 24 to 105 kind of lens with image stabilization. It was more that look that you would see back then when people were shooting a 5D Mark III's on, on and, and they had an unstabilized lens, like a 50 millimeter prime or a 24 to 70, 28 or something like that, where there was no image stabilization because these 5Ds didn't have IBIS. And so what you would see in, 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 in shots like that all over the all over the world, what people who were filming with DSLRs back then is you would see this this trembling shake that almost looked like the person had some kind of tremors or something. And you and in that reaction shot, in that short film, The Rivers Divide, in that reaction shot, um, when he first tried to to shoot and kill Steve, the deer, Steve the deer, um, you see that because the reaction was shot handheld off of a DSLR and there was no image stabilization at all. And the shots were really shaky to the point it kind of took away from it. And I'm, I'm, when I talk about handheld shooting, that is not good handheld shooting. And again, that whole project was amazing. I'm not trying to act like it's not, but that if I was to correct or um, nitpick at any one thing in that project, there's probably two things I'd nitpick on, uh, but that's one of them is it's that handheld look was not, it wasn't the greatest. It was just too shaky in my opinion. Good handheld shooting is not that. Good handheld shooting is bobs and sways and more controlled movement. And it's, it's movement that feels more natural. Um, shake and, and like you have tremors, that's not natural. So how do you get good, good handheld movement, good bobs and sways and things that looks real? How do you get that? Well, the best way to get it is, number one, you have to add weight to your camera. A lot of cameras today don't have IBIS in it. Uh, a lot of mirrorless cameras do. Pretty much any mirrorless camera you buy today is going to have IBIS in it. And that will help you get away from that trimmer, shaky uh, look that I've just described. Um, but, uh, but pretty much all cinema cameras do not have IBIS. Uh, and there's various reasons for this. And I won't go into all these reasons today. But the point is, is that pretty much any cinema camera out there, I'm talking Reds, I'm talking Aries, I'm talking um, uh, Sony FX6, FX9, FS7, Sony Venice, I'm talking Canon C300 Mark III, C500 Mark II, you know, I'm talking Blackmagic, Ursa Mini Pro, um, I'm talking all of those kinds of cameras, Panasonic, Vericam LTs, those are all really great cinema cameras and none of them have IBIS. And again, there are reasons for that that I won't go into today on this podcast, but the point is, is they don't have IBIS. And on those cameras, if you want to avoid the bobs and shakes, the way that you avoid it is just by simply having heft to the camera. Weight 
helps you eliminate that shakiness because if something, think about like if, if, if you're picking up like, I don't know, if you're picking up a, uh, man, I'm trying to think of an example here. <laughs> if you're picking up a stick, okay, it's a terrible example, but let's just say you're picking up a stick and you hold that stick out in front of you, a small stick, like a twig, you'll see it kind of move in your hand, right? Now, if you pick up like a, a log and you hold it out in front of you, you might have some bobs and sways, but you're not going to have any kind of shake. And that's probably a terrible example. It's just the only thing I could think of <laughs> off the top of my head. But the idea is that when you pick up something heavier that has weight to it, heft to it, it immediately takes away from a lot of that trembling look. So weight is like the, is the first thing that you can do to help eliminate that and add good movement, not bad shake. Now, am I saying that your camera needs to weigh 25 pounds? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying when you look at like a 5D Mark III from back in the day that had no IBIS, that's a small, tiny little camera. And if you're shooting a 5D Mark III with a 50 millimeter prime and a Rode VideoMic Pro shotgun mic, you're gonna see a lot of shake in your handheld shots because there's no heft and there's no image stabilization. But if you take that same 50 millimeter lens and you put it on a Canon C500 Mark II on a shoulder rig, or, or even if you didn't have a shoulder rig, if you were just hand holding a, a C500 Mark II, you're instantly gonna see a lot less shake because the camera just is a lot bigger and weighs a lot more. And if you, if you have like V-lock batteries in the back and stuff like that, that extra heft of the C500 Mark II is gonna eliminate, eliminate a lot of the tremors or trembling that you see in the 5D Mark III, for example. So weight does help. Another thing that helps is a top handle. Um, or, and, it, and it can even be a side grip. Like if you're shooting on an FX6 and you want to shoot handheld, the side grip will also help. But, but a top handle really helps a lot in eliminating shake because if you hold a camera by the top handle, the weight from underneath the handle, the weight of the camera body and the lens and the rails and all that stuff, that weight is going to work with gravity and it's going to pull the camera downward. And so by holding the camera uh, from a top handle... Um, whether it's your, your hand is physically holding it from the top handle or whether you are mounting the top handle to an easy rig, in both circumstances, the camera is hanging by gravity. And, in, and that, combined with weight, will also help you eliminate some of those jitters. The other thing that will help you is how you hold the camera beyond just the top handle. You don't want to, for instance, I see guys all the time, they'll take like a... Uh, an A7 III, and they'll stick their arms way out in front of them, and they film handheld with their hands or arms way out and extended in front of them. That's not good. You don't want that. You don't want your hands or arms sticking way out in front of you. Um, what you want is you want to tuck your arms into your body. And if you're filming on a cinema camera, like a FX6 or FX9, you actually want to tuck the camera body, if you can, into your body, like physically cradle it, tuck it into your arm, under your armpit, or tuck it into your chest, because you're adding points of contact in your hands, rather than holding your arms way out in front of you and supporting the weight of the camera with just your arms, just simply bending your arms and pulling the camera back changes the location of the weight and puts it more on different parts of your arms and puts it more on your chest and your stomach and your, your biceps than it does just holding it straight out in front of you where your arms are just supposed to be keeping it stable. So tucking that camera into your body is going to help you eliminate a lot of that shake. 
Also, filming from the shoulder. There's a reason why a lot of doc projects and a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows and commercials are shot off of shoulder-mounted cameras. Look at behind the scenes of a lot of the biggest music videos and commercial projects and stuff out there, and you will see guys filming from the shoulder. That's because when you film from the shoulder, the weight of the camera, the gravity is pulling it down onto your shoulder, and you have multiple point of contacts. You normally have your eye is normally buried into a viewfinder, a physical viewfinder that tucks into your eye, so that's a point of contact. You have a point of contact on your shoulder where the camera is setting, that's a point of contact. You usually have your right hand on a grip, that is a point of contact. A lot of times your left hand will be on another grip or maybe on the lens itself pulling focus, that's another point of contact. So that's like four points of contact right there. And, and the way I shoot off the shoulder on my FX6 is I even have it tucked up against my cheek. So not only is the viewfinder hitting the front of my face and burying into my eye, but the side of my cheek is also hitting the camera body as well. So I actually have five points of contact when I film from the shoulder. And so I don't have to have IBIS or an image stabilized lens. I immediately can shoot without any of that trembling or tremor or super shaky look because I have so many points of contact. Plus, my camera is not super lightweight. I mean, it's not, don't get me wrong, the FX6 is not a heavy camera, but it's a lot, you know, heftier than, say, a mirrorless camera. So that helps as well. Um, so all of those things help. Uh, even filming off of Easy Rig. Easy Rig, some people, when they see an Easy Rig, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Some people think Easy Rigs are there to stabilize the camera, and that's actually not true. And Easy Rig's main pr purpose is actually just to take the weight of the camera off of you uh, and, and off your arms and hands and transfer that weight uh, to the Easy Rig itself, which is mounted um, on your back and onto your hips. And so you're actually transferring that weight of the camera onto your hips so you can shoot all day long and not have to hold the camera. It's holding the camera for you. The only thing you're doing is controlling the camera and guiding its movements. So an easy rig does not inherently stabilize anything at all. Um, but what, what the easy rig does do is by supporting the camera's weight for you, it helps you to tuck the camera into your body and just focus on control and stability. So I can get stable shots with my Easy Rig, but it's not because Easy Rig is stabling anything. It's because it takes the weight of the camera off for me so I can just tuck it into my body and film with it tucked into my body and get multiple points of contact and, and, and let it support the weight. And that's how it helps me get stable shots. And so whether you're using an easy rig or a shoulder rig or you're mounting or you're uh, tucking the camera just into your body with nothing at all, all of those ways will help you eliminate the trembling look. Now you have to understand there is going to be movement in your shots. There is. It's not going to be stable. It's not supposed to be. That's the whole point of handheld shooting. You don't you don't again, you don't want it to be trembly and look like you have Tourette's or something, but but it's supposed to be it's supposed to have movement. You need to understand that. A lot of people rant and rave, for instance, about how Panasonic has the greatest IBIS in the world. It makes your handheld shots look like it's on a tripod. Well, that's actually counterintuitive because if you want your shots to look like they're on a tripod, put it on a tripod. You know, you don't want that. Handheld shots are supposed to have movement. So if you follow these practices that I said, you will still have movement, but that's the movement you want. The bobs, the sways, the things that look like real life. That's all good movement. Now, when you, when you think about that, there are other ways to get stable shots beyond what I just said. Everything I just said 
works for cinema cameras that don't have IBIS. However, if you're filming with something like an A1 or an A7S3 or a Canon EOS R3 or EOS R5, all of those cameras have IBIS. And what IBIS is going to do is it's going to help you eliminate that trembling, shaky look. Now, IBIS on the Panasonics, that is so intense on their mirrorless cameras, for instance, that it looks like you're on a tripod, again, that is too much in my opinion. I do think there is such thing as too much IBIS. Okay, you your ibis should should be there to eliminate the trembling, shaky look, not to eliminate the bobs and sways of handheld shooting. So on a camera like the Canon 5D, or excuse me, EOS R5 or EOS R3, or on like the uh, Sony A1, A7S3, those cameras, their ibis does a good job of eliminating that trembling look but you can still move the camera around and get good handheld shots. And had in that Donnie Vincent Rivers Divide film, had the 5D Mark III that they filmed the reaction on, had that have had IBIS in it, it would have completely changed the look of that shot. It still would have been handheld and it still would have felt raw and authentic, but it wouldn't have had the trembling look that kind of took away from the shot in my opinion. So IBIS is great. But just because you have IBIS in a camera doesn't mean you should break all those practices I said earlier. You still shouldn't hold, if your camera has IBIS, you still shouldn't stick your arms way out in front of you and hold the camera way out in front of you. You still should tuck it into your body because holding it out in front of you is not going to give you the same kind of controlled movement that you would get if you held the camera closer to your body. So just because you have IBIS doesn't mean that you can forget these basic principles. So again, tuck your arms in to your body. If you're shooting off of a mirrorless camera, my favorite way to shoot handheld is actually to not only tuck my hands into my body, but I like to put my face up into the camera and, and put my eye into the viewfinder. Because if you do that, your arms are tucked into your body, your right hand is gripping the camera, uh, the camera's grip, your left hand is usually under the lens, it's supporting the weight of the camera, and it's a giving you the ability to rack focus or pull focus off your left hand. And then your face and your eye are pressed into the viewfinder and into the back of the camera. And so that gives you one, two, three points of contact. And those three points of contact will help you have a really good movement. Now the camera is going to be lightweight, but unlike a cinema camera, it has IBIS. So it, it kind of fixes the camera not having heft, but you still are going to be able to get handheld shots because you are that are um, that have bobs and sways because you are still hand holding it. And so what you would do in that scenario is you would have your face in the viewfinder, your right hand on the grip, your left hand under the camera body on the lens, and you would follow the action with your body and with your face. And that allows you to get really stable shots, but that still have that handheld bob and sway to it. Now, I will tell you, a lot of cinematographers actually don't like mirrorless cameras that have IBIS because some of them feel like IBIS takes away from the look of handheld shooting too much. And, 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 in, and in the Panasonic's case, it does. Panasonic completely takes away from the look of handheld shooting. Um, so some cinematographers actually don't like IBIS for this reason. Now, me personally, I don't mind it. I don't mind IBIS. Um, I like the extra help it gets me in eliminating trembles and shakes and stuff. However, you still have to make sure that um, 
that you you get good movement and that you don't try to make everything static like it's off a tripod because it, it that does kind of defeat the point of it. So if you have Ibis, Ibis is a very useful tool, but don't don't go handheld shooting with Ibis and try to eliminate any movement at all. Just remember the whole point of handheld shooting is to have movement. So still, even if you have Ibis, still try to have some movement in your shot because that's the whole point of it, right? Now, what if you're working with a camera like the FX6 that's a little bit lighter of a cinema camera? I mean, it's heavier than mirrorless, but it's not heavy like a tricked out Airy Alexa classic, right? So it's not gonna have that kind of weight but it also doesn't have IBIS. So in that situation, what do you do? It's kind of in the middle. It's not super heavy, doesn't have a lot of heft to help eliminate some shake, but it also doesn't have IBIS. So in that scenario, what do you do? Well, you could get a lens that has image stabilization like a 24 to 105, and that will help you eliminate some of that shake. But the problem with that is a lot of, the, a lot of lenses like a 24 to 105, they, that have image stabilization, usually that's not the best glass. Your best glass is usually cinema glass or it might be like a 51.4 prime or a 35.14 prime or it might be a 24 to 72.8. You know, all of those lenses are gonna be faster than a 24 to 105 f4 and they're all going to faster in terms of it has a, a faster aperture like a 2.8 or 1.8 or 1.4 or even a 1.2 now. So typically uh, a 24 to 105 is going to be slow and typically a 24 to 105 type of lens isn't going to have the same kind of optics as those other lenses I mentioned. Those primes, those cinema lenses or, or even like a 24 to 72 8, they typically have prettier glass, better lens flares, prettier color, you know, the glass itself is just nicer. So you don't want to buy a camera like a RED or a camera like an FX6 and put on a 24 to 105 just so you can have image stabilization because yeah, it might give you some image stabilization to help you get rid of some of those tremors or some of those uh, heft, those really bad shakes or trembles. However, it's you're, you're gonna have to sacrifice the quality of your glass and you don't wanna do that, right? You don't wanna have to rely on image, image stabilized lenses in order to have stable shots. Otherwise, anytime you go handheld shooting, which could be a lot, you're using worse glass. Because again, most image stabilized lenses in that 24 to 105 range typically are not as good optically as non-stabilized versions. It's just the way it is. And so if you wanna use good quality glass, good quality primes, good quality cinema lenses, or, or even like a 24 to 70 f2.8 type of lens, if you wanna use a lens like that, on a camera that doesn't have IBIS, then you really need to perfect your handheld shooting craft. And that's all the more reason why you need to practice tucking the camera into your body. Body, You need to practice shoulder mounting or, or using an easy rig and cradling the camera with an easy rig. You gotta practice those things because if you, if you do practice those things and you can learn how to get good at handheld shooting without relying on IBIS or without relying on image stabilized lenses, then you will kind of break that those chains. Because think about it, if you only go handheld shooting when you have a camera with IBIS, that means you're only ever gonna handheld shoot with mirrorless cameras. Or if you only will handheld shoot with image stabilized lenses, then that means you're always using lesser quality glass. So don't, don't let image stabilization or IBIS chain you down. Break those chains and learn to shoot on cameras 
that don't have IBIS and that lenses and with lenses that don't have image stabilization so that you are no longer dependent upon those two things to give you stable footage. Break those chains and work on practicing shooting shots without those without that help so that if you want to use a red for a shoot and you want to ha- get handheld shots and you want to use a cinema lens, you don't have to freak out over it. And the other thing is, I actually I saw this guy in this forum I'm a part of the other day. He made, he posted that he was uh, going to be shooting off the FX6 for this project. And the, again, the FX6 doesn't have uh, IBIS in it. And he talked about how he, he was going to be using a fast prime and he was going to be shooting um, footage of a um, haunted house to put together a marketing video for this haunted house. And so he got he had to go in and, and shoot everything uh, handheld and... It was a very run and gun type of shoot, and he was not again. He wasn't. He wasn't using a camera with it, with IBIS, and his lens was a fast prime, so it didn't have uh, image stabilization either. And so, as such, he was afraid of having shake in his footage. And so he said in this post that he was planning on stabilizing every single shot in post using Catalyst Browse. Uh, there are a lot of uh, Sony and Canon cameras today use gyro sensor data to help record movement information so you can stabilize the shots in post. And uh, ever since that has become a thing, like on Sony, for instance, I've seen a lot of shooters with FX6s and FX9s who want to stabilize all their footage in post using that gyro sensor data. But guys, that is not a good way to approach it. If you are using that gyro sensor data and Catalyst Browse, for instance, to stabilize your footage in post because you had a shot that unfortunately came out a little too shaky for your liking, that's one thing. But you shouldn't go into a project thinking ahead of time before you ever even get to the shoot like that, hey, I'm gonna stabilize all my shots in post. You don't want that to be part of your process. That's terrible. That should only be in your workflow if you have an emergency situation where something was too shaky, but you don't want to rely on that. That shouldn't be part of your workflow because if it is, number one, it's extremely time-consuming because you'll have to stabilize every shot. And number two, to top it all off, you're cropping into your footage every time you stabilize it, even when you are using the gyro sensor data of some of these newer cameras. That should not be part of your workflow. So do not be dependent upon post-software stabilizing to fix your shots. Again, learn handheld shooting techniques, proper handheld shooting techniques, and practice those things. Use an easy rig, use a shoulder rig, or learn how to cradle the camera and learn how to shoot handheld without IBIS or without lens image stabilization. That way you can get stable footage that still is handheld looking, but that doesn't require any kind of post software stabilizing unless you have an emergency because that's how it should be. So that those are some thoughts about how to handheld shoot, what to look for, what not to look for. I now want to finish with what are some other uh, ad- advantages of handheld shooting. I talked about how handheld shooting helps you it helps you add movement to your shots and helps bring your shots to life, but there's more to it than that. Handheld shooting also offers you the freedom as a videographer to be able to live in the action. If you are filming a project, whether it is a scripted project or whether it's a run and gun project, 
Either way, if you can bury yourself into a viewfinder or into your monitor and just follow the action as it's unfolding, again, even if it's scripted, if you can follow the movement and the motion and the actors or whatever it is you're filming, if you can follow all that movement and live in the moment and have the freedom of just moving your camera and moving your body with the action, it will kind of allow you to lose yourself in the shot and immerse yourself in what's happening. And there is no better way to be to be a filmmaker or a videographer than to be able to just completely lose yourself in a shot. If you if you are focusing on your technology, how like your gimbal, if you're focusing on, oh my gosh, when do I need to turn my gimbal? What should my gimbal settings to be? Should 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 my gimbal settings be so that when I turn to follow this actor, it turns at the exact moment and at the exact sensitivity and at the exact speed I need it to and all this stuff. All of that kind of detaches you from the shot. Being able to bury yourself into the camera and and not be thinking about how, what your gimbal settings are and instead to just follow the action as it's happening focusing on your nothing but your framing and your and your focus you will lose yourself in the shot because you will be so fully immersed in what's happening that that is when you are really connected to something and you will shoot way better when you are truly connected to a shot so handheld shooting can help you achieve that because you can live in the moment. And so if someone's moving to the left, you can move your body to the left with them. And if someone's moving back to the right, you can move your body to the right with them. If they kneel, you can kneel with them. If they go to stand up, you can start to stand back up with them. You can follow their movements and live in the moment. You can have your camera focused on their face if they're talking about something, but then you can move it down, move your body and your camera down toward their hands to show what they're messing with. And then you can even move it back up to their face all naturally and yeah it won't be perfectly stable it will have some movement to it but again that's where the that's where the liveliness and the authenticity and organic look of it come into play so it allows you to just as a creative it allows you to move and live in the shot and live in the moment and capture what's happening as it's happening and to be able to just lose yourself and immerse yourself in what you're doing it's a great way to film it's one of my absolute favorite ways to film plus it also allows you to be able to, to really um, get a lot of shots fast because if you're having to worry about setting up your gimbal, and again, I, I love gimbals. I just bought a new Ronin RS2 and uh, um, I, I made a post about it yesterday. Like I, or I, I, love, I love gimbals. I think gimbals are great. I've been working with gimbals for a long time. I'm not saying gimbals are bad. I'm just saying that you shouldn't only use gimbals. I'm saying that there's a huge place for handheld shooting too. And so when you are shooting handheld, you can actually move faster and get more shots in a lot of times on a project because you're not focusing on setting up your gimbal and changing lenses and rebalancing your gimbal and adding a filter and having to rebalance your gimbal or taking the filter off and having to rebalance your gimbal, <laughs> you know, and you're not worried about, and I'm a huge proponent of tripod work. I shoot a lot of my stuff off of tripods. I've got two socklers, like I'm big in tripod works, work, but you still have to set them up. And sometimes if you're wanting to do, if you're wanting to shoot fast and document stuff or capture a lot of footage quick being handheld allows you to do that because you can get in there just get in there get in the shot get the shot 
and then step away and then go get into another shot and then step away and go and get it to another shot. There's no gimbal setting up. There's no balancing. There's no pulling out your tripod. There's no setting up a, a slider or a dolly or whipping out your drone or anything like that. You are just kind of getting in there and getting these shots and you could shoot really fast. So that's another benefit. And that's not always the case if you're doing a scripted commercial or something like that where you're planning out shots and you want to bring out a gimbal for a certain shot or a slider for a certain shot or a dolly or a jib or whatever, that's fine. But if you're shooting like a doc project or if you're covering an event or maybe you're shooting uh, just any kind of run and gun commercial project where you're, you know, you have one day and you're trying to get all kinds of shots of maybe a farmer working on his farm, or maybe you're shooting at a brewery and you're trying to get all kinds of shots of them making beer, you know, <laughs> and their process. It, it, it would allow you to shoot a lot faster if you can get in there and just throw up, throw up your lights and then just shoot handheld, get shots and move on. And again, it allows you to live in the moment and adds authenticity to it. So there's all kinds of reasons to shoot handheld and handheld shooting is great. And there's a lot of technology today that makes it easier when you work with smaller cameras. IBIS helps you, image stabilization and lenses helps you. But you also shouldn't be reliant on those things because sometimes it, in the case of Panasonic, it can be too much <laughs> and can take away from your ability to get natural handheld movement. And in other cases, it means that you are too afraid to use equipment like a cinema camera or cine lenses because you're too afraid of working with gear that doesn't have image stabilization built in. So handheld shooting is a great art form. It adds a lot of value and, and natural, um, a natural sh look to your footage uh, and, and really can immerse your audience in it. And it allows you to immerse yourself in the shot. It allows you to shoot fast and to be able to cover things as it's happening. There's a lot of reasons to do it. But don't be reliant on only image stabilization to or or post you know image stabilization and software to be able to do it learn how to do it um, naturally with a little bit a little bit of heft on your cameras maybe use a top handle learn to tuck your camera into your body or use an easy rig or use a shoulder rig and learn how to get stable shots without having to be dependent upon image stabilization in post or in your camera or your lens and it'll allow you to open up so many more creative possibilities and it'll make you a better filmmaker i love handheld shooting and it is it is a it is a art Form, and it is something I'm working on each and every shoot um, that I use it. I don't use it on every single shoot, but I use it a lot. And I'm working with an FX6 with, with that has no IBIS, and I'm working with lenses like Primes that don't have image stabilization. And so I'm having to really work on my, my ability to shoot handheld um, and my handheld shooting techniques so I can be good at it because it takes time, it takes practice. But that is the one thing I'm working on more than anything in my business today because I want to get really good at it. I've seen some guys out there that have made music videos, all handheld for instance, where they're following the dan dancers and stuff and are moving with them and oh my gosh, it's so good looking. It looks awesome. And and they're so natural at it. And I really want to learn how to shoot that good. But it just takes practice and it takes following some of those techniques I talked about. And, and and that's something that I'm working really hard on today, and I wanna encourage you to work on that too. If you guys are interested in talking more about handheld shooting, um, go to Filming with Josh Facebook group and 
post a comment there. Let's talk about it. Let's dive in deeper to this conversation. Uh, and as always, you can shoot me a private message on Facebook, um, or you can shoot me an email at josh at rusticriver.media, and I'd be happy to chat more about this stuff with you. Um, I love handheld filming. I love talking about filming techniques, and this is one of my favorite ones, uh, and I'd love to chat more about it if you're interested, so let me know. And uh, thanks again, guys, for listening to today's podcast. I look forward to seeing you all next week. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.